Yo, 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 coming to you from the snow. Yes, we're in our 20th consecutive snowstorm here in Seattle, Washington. It's Snowpocalypse 2019, and this is the Supernaturalist Podcast show, the show that exists to connect, equip, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. And I trust that's why you're listening, that it's your desire to see God's kingdom come. His will be done, established through your creative daily contribution. It's such an honor to have you listening to the show today. If we haven't met yet, my name is Darren Stott, lead pastor at a crazy, cool, amazing, dope church called Seattle Revival Center. Check us out online at seattlerevivalcenter.com. Founder of Supernaturalist Ministries and author of a book. Yes, I wrote a book called Pattern interrupt we're going after this concept in 2019 different in 2019 and if you want your 2019 to be different than 2018 which may have been similar to 2017 then check this one out it's pattern interrupt it's yours at amazon.com also check out the audiobook that's a good time you can have it just kind of going as you drive in again pattern interrupt yours at amazon.com Super excited about today's show. She is the author of 84 books and manuals, a successful entrepreneur of several businesses, an accomplished itinerant speaker, a television host, a media producer, and a ministry network overseer who has given her life to revival and seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ go to the nations. Yes, it's Patricia King. And in this interview, we sit down and we cover a lot of different topics. You're going to love this. This is content that was mined from Declaration Conference 2019, a conference that got interrupted, you guessed it, by, yes, by the snowstorm. And I will say that um, for the little bit of Declaration Conference that we had, it was different. It was awesome. Um, All four of those sessions are online. Um, But this is the audio from my interview with Patricia King. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Um, It it really was. It really was a good time. Now, before we actually dive into into the audio here, just want to encourage you to take a second or two to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. As you know, podcasts are a big deal. There's so much content that's being released each and every day. Ratings and reviews are really what help iTunes aggregate the gold from the midst of the noise. Let the gold rise in 2019. That's that, that's our that's our declaration. Um, but not only do we want there just to be merely a declaration, um, we want there to be some action. This is a year of action. Take action. I've created a link. It'll get you to the iTunes store quickly and efficiently so that you're not wasting any of your time. Go to thedarrenshow.com. The what? That's thedarrenshow.com. That'll take you to our iTunes podcast page. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame or you can give it five stars and that means that you think this thing be off the chain. So if you would do that, that would be awesome. And uh, now without any further ado, let's dive into this interview with Patricia King right here, right now on the Supernaturalist podcast show. Let's go. Connecting, equipping, and promoting emerging supernaturalists. <laughs> Be the created such a time as this. All right, and here we go. 
there is more. He said, what? Patricia, thanks so much for being here. It's awesome. Good to have you here in Seattle. And last night was such a great, such a great time, such a great um, session. Um, uh, I, we were talking a little bit this morning about the way that the Bible begins, right? Like the Bible begins with a declaration. It begins with God speaking and then immediately everything changing, everything responding to the word of the Lord. And um, so I thought that'd be a great place for us to, to begin um, uh, this idea of the, of the Bible beginning with declaration, this idea of, uh, of, of these declarers and the battle for declaration all throughout the old, you know, they're, they're declaring, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And then even before the ministry of Jesus begins, there's another proclaimer, right? John the Baptist, and he's declaring, you know, he's preparing the way of the Lord. And so the Bible begins with declaration. There's a battle for declaration. The ministry of Jesus is all about declaration. And then here we are in 2019, and we can certainly see the significance and the battle for righteous declaration. And I thought we could just kind of begin with the parallels that you're seeing between 2019 and in the beginning, and the need for there to be righteous declaration. You know, oftentimes when you're facing a situation that is maybe adverse and life is full of those, Jesus said, in the world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. But oftentimes when we face those trials, the tribulations, the, the things that grieve your spirit, you, you don't go beyond the reaction. And facts are not truth, right? Facts are temporal and subject to change. So, you know, you can always you know, just call a fact a fact. But the thing is, decrees and declarations are based on the eternal truth. Mm. So in the midst of the darkness, you have to find the truth. In the midst of the darkness, you have to find the light. So if you only carry around a grieving spirit, and I want to particularly address this with the, um, with the intercessors, those of you who do a lot of intercession, I've seen oftentimes, not in this house, but... Oftentimes, we've seen intercessors grab hold of the burden of the Lord and wail inside that burden, but never come to a place of settling the issue. Wow, wow, and wow. And we can settle the issue through the Word of God, no matter how hard the situation is. So in Genesis 1, we see that the earth was without form. It was void. And when you study it out, it actually means it was in chaos and disorder. And there was darkness that covered. There was darkness that covered the earth. And the spirit was there, though. The spirit was moving. But in order for the spirit to go to work, it needed to be ignited with word. And so God declared, light be, and there was light. Now, as soon as that light was formed through the, his, his creative decree... The spirit and the word together created light that literally expelled the darkness. Wow. So where there's light, there is no darkness. So when you look at Isaiah 60 as an example of a prophetic picture that God gave his church, um, you see, arise and shine for your what? Your light, light has come. Now, in John, we see that Jesus is the word and he is the light right? So we have the light. Our light has come. 
And in the very next verse, it says, Arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And then it says, Behold, darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness of people. Well, that was the same as Genesis 1.1. But it doesn't stay there. The rest of the chapter is all about the glory that is going to manifest in the earth through the people of God. And he said, The glory will manifest upon you because of that light. So we have the power to decree. It says in, in uh, the uh, Psalms, it says the entrance of the word brings light. The entrance of the word brings light. It says, thy word is a light unto my path. It's a lamp unto my feet, right? And so when you proclaim light, the darkness expels. So even what we were mentioning last night with the state of the union and the issue of late-term abortion, it can overwhelm us. I That's mean, right. it's a big issue. And I'm not trying to make light of it. <laughs> well, I am making light of it. But I believe the solution is to decree God's will into it. Light be. Yeah. And we have way more power than we realize. We are not victims of what is going on in That's the right. world. That's right. We have power to make a difference. So in 2019, what's going to make it different is our decree. It's going to be our declaration. So do we believe in the core of our heart? Do we believe that God is able to turn things around? Do we believe that we have been given his authority in the earth? Because in Genesis 1, not only did God say light be, he created man and gave man the authority to also decree light be. Do likewise. Right? Wow. That we're created in his image and likeness, and he gave man authority in the earth to release his will. So when we grab hold of this in Christ now, we, we can come together as a body and say, you know what? We're going to settle the issue. God said it. We believe it corporately. And we are going to decree it. We are, are going to settle it through what we believe. And we will see the nations transformed by the word of God. Awesome. 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 Hey, I have an idea. Let's just decree and declare, make light of it. One, two, three. Make, make light, light of it. it. That's a, that's, a, that's a fascinating thought. I mean, what a great book title. Yeah, I was just thinking of it for you. <laughs> Can I have it? No. <laughs> you, you, you. I was just prophesying over him earlier about books that are going to come out that will have the language for the next generation. Mm. It's going to be written in a different language and uh, things like that because you've got that edge on you for that and it's, it's needed and it's creative and I more Lord. It. Yes, I receive it. I believe it. Amen. Do it, Lord. Um, now, I want to ask you, so like taking what you just talked about and just kind of like breaking it down now a little bit more practically. When you see something like, like you did the other night with the, um, with the, with the address and then um, all, and the, the women in white linen um, and, uh, and, you're, and you feel like, I imagine when you first saw that, you were grieved. You felt like maybe you were under something there. And there was kind of like a, a definitely an atmosphere created, like the tension in that address. Did you guys watch the, 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 the State of the Union? Like there was so much, there was so much tension. Like I, I could hardly stand it at some points, especially what really bothered me is when everyone's laughing, but you know they're not laughing because they're having fun. You know, there was like this devious kind of, you know, you're just like, oh my, it's not good. Um, so my, my question is that, Patricia, when you, when you see something on the news when, and, and all of a sudden, and there is this atmosphere, and then it's over our country, and you almost feel like you're under it. All right, so how do you go from there to your war room? How do you go from there to that place where you ascend and you come over it? Can you take us into what it looks like in your, in your prayer yeah, closet, I how mean, you 
It is a process, and I wish I could tell you that I am just instantly in the spirit with things like that. But honestly, I, I, I have to process through it. So what happened to me using that as an example is I felt grief. I was grieved uh, for a good 24 hours. I just, I just felt this deep spiritual weight of sadness and, and grief and almost like helplessness in a way because, you know, not really, but, you know, kind of emotional helplessness. And then what came was anger, okay? I was angry. Now, anger is a powerful force when it's in the spirit. But my initial anger was not in the spirit. But I identified <laughs> anger. Um, it, 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 it says very clearly in the word, the anger of man does not accomplish the the righteousness of God. But anger is powerful. So anger, righteous anger, always has to be put on the injustice and not on the people. Wow, that's good. Always. That's really good. And I remember um, years ago when I was doing a lot of personal counseling and deliverance, I would minister to a lot of women who had been sexually abused and they were traumatized through the abuse and angry and bitter and all the things that were hurting them even more. And I would say, you know what? Why don't we just sit down and have you write a letter to the one who, who, who hurt you and write, out of your soul, let everything come out that you ever wanted to say. If you have the freedom to just let it rip, write it out, right? right? So they would. And at first it would be like, dear John, and then, you know, I just want to share my heart. And then the writing would get bigger and bolder and exclamation marks. <laughs> and you could see anger surfacing. But the anger initially was towards John, okay? So then we would look at the letter, and I thought, you know, this is really healthy that you were able to identify anger, but now let's let that anger create for you rather than destroy you. Wow. Because if you keep it on the person, it lacks forgiveness, which is absolutely necessary for our well-being. But if you can move it onto the injustice, it will do work. Wow. And so I said, let's go through, first of all, and forgive John, forgive him, choose to forgive him, even if the emotion's not there. Just do it because it's righteous to forgive and forgive him for every single thing in this letter that you are angry about and remove your, your anger off of him. And now let's shift that anger into every injustice. Let's remove John out of the equation and let's just release this anger towards the injustice. And it was such powerful deliverance because um, victims feel powerless. But righteous anger gives you power. Right? And so they would leave feeling not only healed, but empowered. And I believe that on like issues like this, where a whole nation could feel powerless, that if we put our, our anger in the right place, move it off of people. So it's not good. about the women and white. Yeah, it's so good. It is about the enemy's deception that has come in. And so that's where I had to get to is shift wow. my anger onto that deception, not on the behavior it's that really was going good. on, at yeah. night, but on the enemy's deception. And that's where I started winning, winning a position. And then I knew I could share from an actual place of love and objectivity that was identifying anger and grief towards a situation and knowing how we could transform it by prayer. So I could express then 
the sadness of the situation because there's no way God would want his church to say, oh, isn't that a, an amazing meeting? It was awesome, wasn't it? You know, to know that people are going to be voting for late-term abortion. No, we cannot take that place. We, we need to grieve as God grieves, but without the anger of man getting in the way, making, making fleshy judgments, we need to use our anger. And um, there's a lot that we can do. We can address the truth in love and we can speak, and I just got an, an email this morning with an invite to join a, a, a real group of generals, women who are going to go into D.C. and be a voice, not out of human anger, but out of representing truth and God's love wow. uh, spoken in truth. So I'm very excited. There are things that we can do, and uh, we will do it. Amen. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah, no, so good. And I like what you're saying about really identifying the right enemy, the correct right. enemy, so that right. we don't waste our energy uh, attacking the wrong thing. Right. And we harm ourselves. Like, if we don't do it God's way, like, if we just get out and bash, like, you know, even like people did with abortion clinics, yeah. like, they would burn them down and stuff like that. It's not proving anything. That is based on the anger of man that is only embittering more. And when you have bitterness in your heart, you will defile many. Wow. Defile. Wow. And so we actually lose our position of authority by operating out of the anger of man. Wow. Wow. So good. Now, going back to, uh, I know that you're at where you're at because of the declarations that you've made, but you're also at where you're at because of perhaps declarations that other people have made, other prophets that have, that have made into your, into your life. Can you just kind of take us back like a few years to some of those um, identity-shaping or ministry-shaping declarations where you really grabbed a hold of them and began to steward them. Oh, yeah. cool. Because I think everybody here in this room hopefully has incredible prophetic words and promises that have made, been made over their life. But oftentimes what we don't know how to do is, is, is to say yes, but begin to really begin to steward that word so it can become a reality. And, um, and you've, done, you've really done that. I mean, it, it's remarkable. And so if you could just speak from that place of your own story and your own authority, I think it would release a faith so that we could really begin, begin walking awesome. out some stuff this next year for ourselves. Well, I love the prophetic, and the body of Christ should be extremely prophetic, okay? And we really should be, Amen. because it's life-giving words. Jesus Amen. said in John 6, 63, the words I speak are spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit that gives life. Therefore, spirit-filled words bring life. So when you speak from the heart of God over a person or over a situation, you're releasing life. You're releasing destiny. And so let's all be more prophetic because we fill the earth with God's voice and, oh, wow, you know, th things are going to shift. But as a new say, believer... Directive number one, be more prophetic. Yeah. Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good Extremely one. Extremely <laughs> prophetic. That's right. That's good. Um, Extreme prophetic. And so um, as, a, as a new Christian... Um, I was just a few months old in the Lord, and I joined a spirit-filled church, and they uh, all prophesied. And so I, I had prophecies immediately over my life, um, and I would always cry because they, they had so much love in them. Wow. You know, God, God sharing his love and how much he loved me and, wow. and uh, how he had called me out of darkness because I'd been in a really dark place. So I've called you out of darkness and brought you to be a light bearer. And um, 
So I had lots of those words in the beginning, but then when I received um, some training on the gifts of the Spirit, at the graduation of that training, my mentor prophesied um, the most weightiest word I've ever had in my life to this day, and that was back in 1980, or is it 78? Back in 1978, I think it was. And, um, and in that word, I, I wrote it out. It was five pages long, and so there was a lot in it. But in it, it, um, it named my calling as a prophet. And I, I, I had never even hardly prophesied up to that time. Um, and it said that um, I would expose darkness and that where the enemy had come to deceive the people, I would tear down the works of the enemy and establish him that I would be going to nations. At that time, I'd never gone to one nation, not one. And now I've ministered on every continent. Um, that I would go to nations and that I would be speaking before masses of people and, um, and you know, dry bones would come to life. Like, real, like, phenomenal words. So I wrote it out and I, uh, I prayed into it. I said yes to everything, even though I didn't understand. A lot of the prophetic, you won't understand at the time, and it's actually not for the immediate Wow. moment wow. because that word unfolded and that was in 1978 I got that word and it was in uh, I think it was in 1997 or 1998 I was over in Holland and it, it's a bit of a long story but I'll make it real short is that I'd previously been in Holland and the Holy Spirit had come upon me in a large gathering of people and and I delivered a word right from the mouth and heart of God that, that stunned the whole place. It was just like no one could move for hours. It was just one of those moments. So the leader of the meeting thought I operated like that all the time. So he said, I'd like to bring you back, and I'd like to bring you into all the nations in Europe. We're going to do a European tour, and I want you to prophesy over every city. Yes. And I said, well... Um, like okay. this, like this. No, I didn't say that. I said, what you just saw is not normal for me. This was a sovereign visitation of the spirit, wow. and I, wow. I wouldn't want to disappoint you. And yeah. he says, no, I feel the spirit's telling me wow. that you're to come. And I thought, whoa, okay. Well, let me go talk to my husband. And uh, he said, yeah, I really feel like you're supposed to do this. So I went over. And I didn't get anything. I thought God would give me all the downloads before I went, but I had nothing. I went over with nothing. And in the first city, he's, you know, got all the worship going. They, you know, have this worship team. He said, okay, go bring the prophetic word. And I, I like, had nothing. I stumbled so bad. And, you know, I dribbled out a few little, you know, words. And, and I just felt so defeated, right? And I knew I disappointed him. And I felt so bad. And so we go to the next city and the same thing happened. The same thing happened. And I felt like such a failure. So I had felt to bring that prophetic word with me, the five-page one. I've, I felt like I was supposed to bring it with me because it said in there that I was a prophet. Wow. And I thought, well, one day, yeah. maybe God will visit me like that and I'll fulfill that word. But it certainly wasn't then. So in the third place I went to, the, um, the leader of that church, he was a senior prophet in the nation, and he was the one who had interpreted for me when the Spirit of God came so powerfully. And um, actually, the audible voice of God at that meeting had come through the loudspeaker. Whoa. And um, it, it, was, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty awesome. So 
<laughs> I went into his office and I said, I need your prayer. I need your help. I feel like such a failure. This leader wanted me to serve him in bringing prophetic words over the cities, and I, I'm not getting anything, and the words that I am releasing are so weak, and they lack authority, and I just feel horrible. And he said, hmm. He said, well, let's pray. And then he said, many, many years ago, you received a prophetic word that you were a prophet. And I said, yeah, <laughs> that's right. In fact, I brought the word with me. And it was something like, you know, 20 some odd years earlier. And he said, well, why aren't you a prophet then? And I said, well, I'm waiting for God. And he said, no, that's not the reason. The reason is you haven't accepted it. Wow. And he said, you're not going wow. out into my church wow. tonight until you say, yes. I am a prophet. And I said, I can't do that. Wow. I can't say. He says, why can't you say it? I said, I think it's presumptuous. He said, you're saying it's presumptuous, but God told you that's who you were. And I said, yeah, but I don't think that day's come yet. I mean, my prophetic level is God loves you with an everlasting love, and it's like almost the only word I have. And he said, I'm not letting you out of the room. Everyone's going to have to wait until you say, I am a prophet. And I said, I cannot do that. And he said, well, we'll just wait then. And so he finally... He finally led me in it. He says, let me lead you in it. And he says, say I. And I said, I. He says, say am. And I said, am. Say ah, ah. And when he said prophet, I thought, I can't do this. He said, you will do it. And he made me say prophet, okay? And he said, now say it all in one sentence now. And I said, I am a prophet. And at that moment, something broke in the spirit. And it was like, even though I'd had that prophetic word for 20 years, I hadn't, I hadn't um, taken ownership. It was something, in my mind, it was something for the future. And God said, I want you to take the ownership of it. As soon as I took the ownership, everything changed. I started getting words for cities, for nations, awesome. for people groups on a whole different level than I'd prophesied before. And God had totally orchestrated that um, tour awesome. because I, I had the ability to... to, to prophesy over about, I think it was over 12 more cities that we went to. And every place I went, I had the word of the Lord. Wow. And, uh, but I had to come to grips with that, with that moment. So, so that, was, um, that was the biggest, um, most significant prophetic release in my life. And I've had you know, words since that time that I cherish and, and honor and say yes to. When I get a prophetic word, and I witness to it. I always give God my yes, because that's what Mary did. Yeah. She said, how's, how's yeah. this going to be? And he said, well, the Holy Spirit will do it. But I need something from you. I need your yes. I need your partnership in this. And so I always give him my yes. And then if there's anything in the word that looks like I need to move on it or fulfill something, if there's something that says, I will do this if you will do that, then I fulfill the requirements. But I don't usually uh, push a word. I usually let it come to pass. Once I've come into agreement, once I've looked if there's anything that I need to partner you know, with him specifically on, I do. And, um, and then I, I let the word work. And sometimes it's, it's years ahead. Like that, that word I told you about in 1987, um, 
or 89, somewhere's in there. Um, that word is still, there's one part of it that still hasn't been fulfilled. Like I watched it get fulfilled wow. over years, yeah. right? So, so when, when, you, when you've received prophetic words in, in the past regarding your future, it was obviously in a place, in a, in, a, in a state and status where you weren't necessarily in the present. Did that give you an urgency to begin preparing for, for the future? Like, for example, like when you get a word, and it's, it, maybe it's an area where you, where you lacked competence in that place. Did that put like a hunger or desire in you to begin, you know, um, looking for additional equipping and in order to? Um, I think that's a great idea, but yeah. I've never done it. Awesome, um, awesome. But, so for you, but it's, I it's do just think, trusting yeah. the Lord and waiting yeah, exactly. for the opportunity. And then taking... I I have nothing to offer anyone except what the Lord does in me. Wow. I know how little I am. Wow. And um. And from the time I was born again, I came to the Lord extremely broken. I remember the night that I received the Lord. I said, Lord, I have absolutely nothing to offer you except my mess. That's all I have. So when he came into my heart and forgave me my sin and, and poured his love into me, I knew that the life he had just given me was definitely his life, and it was nothing I could ever wow. take credit for or produce in myself because prior to coming to Christ, I had tried self-help programs. I tried... <laughs> you know, going into all these ridiculous new age things and trying all those things to get better. Yeah. And nothing worked. And so I have this very childlike faith saying, God, I believe that you can do anything. Wow. But it's, I'm going to be your child wow. all of my days and say yes to you and let you, let you do it. So I, I just think it's awesome when I see people preparing to fulfill words. Sure. I think it's awesome. Um, but I've just never it's done it. It's just not necessarily your best practice. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I just say yes. It, it's weird. It's weird to hear you refer to yourself as little, because mm -hmm. <laughs> like how little I, I'm like, because you are like one of the. When I think of you, I just Patricia, you know, large and in charge, just like and uh, it, it, walking in such a thor. I mean, just even watching you worship, I feel small just being beside you, just as you're worshiping, connecting with heaven, and so um, yeah, as that was little. Weird for me. I, <laughs> well, it's not weird when you look at yourself next to God. Wow. Wow. And, um, and when you look at the cross, and you look at what Jesus did on that cross, and the enormous sacrifice, and wow. the enormous <laughs> labor of love that he did, it, it, it makes everything we do so pale. Wow. In comparison, wow. right? Wow. Wow. And... Um, and I had a prophetic word, actually, in, um, in the late, or, or no, it was in 1993. In 1993, I, a, a prophet came into one of our meetings and prophesied, and he said, things are going to begin to change in your life and ministry, Patricia. And the Lord says, if you will remain small in your own eyes, he wow. will trust you with great things. Wow. And I remember capturing that word and saying, God, always keep me in that place wow. where I see. So like, I honestly do. It's, it's, it's not anything I even try to do. I see myself as small. Wow. And uh, when, when you look for Christ in every person too, mm. you see how, how great God is in them. Like I could say the same to you as you said about me. I look at Darren and I see this amazing man of God who, is, who has stewarded the calling of God, who has stewarded the gifts of God, who has touched so many lives, you know, and the honor of that 
It makes me feel beautifully small. Wow. Right? Wow. And you can do that with every single person. Amen. I mean, I've done it with the homeless. I mean, we've lived a lot in the inner city working amongst the drug addicts and the homeless and worked a lot in prisons and that. And the Lord had to reprimand me at one point because I had come to a place. I mean, I love working the inner cities because light belongs in the darkness. Yeah. And there's so much darkness. There's a darkness of a lawlessness and corruption and addiction and immorality. And, you know, I mean, everything's right there. You know, so I just love bringing light. But I actually got to a point at, at one place where I was getting more excited about the anointing working in those situations and the fruit that was being uh, received in those situations that I lost sight of the people, the actual people we were ministering to. And um, so I was down in the inner city one day, a friend and I decided to go down because we had an, an afternoon free. And I said, let's go down and win some souls. And, um, and I said, oh, there's a, there's a uh, woman on the street over there. Let's go get her. And the Lord said, you're not going anywhere. And uh, he said, you are, you, are, you are not caring for them as I care. He says, I'm the friend of the sinner. And these streets are full of my friends. And you're looking at them like they're your project. But they are my friends. Hmm. And he said, I don't want you to preach to anyone. I don't want you to offer anything to anyone until you get your heart That's in the right, right position. Wow. That's, that's and so he said, walk with me. Wow. And he made me look at each individual and he began to speak to me about how much he loved them and honored them and how big they were in, wow. his, in his sight. And he said, if you cannot see them the way I see them, you have no right to represent me. Wow. And it adjusted me that day. It was yeah. a hard day, but it adjusted me. And so, you know, even looking, you know, at people who are struggling and they're in addiction and that, you can find the beauty of God in them that is that makes you feel small, that it makes you feel like, wow, I get to minister to you? I get to serve you? You're a friend of Jesus and I get to love you? What? You know? Yeah. And so it keeps you small. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, now, speaking of, de like, of declarations, um, I, I was thinking this morning about, you know, when the, when the enemy came after Jesus uh, during his temptation before his ministry actually began, and, um, and Jesus would come back at the enemy and say, it is written. It is written. And I was thinking about this this morning about um, about the press and uh, and how about the press and how um, the written word right now is creating a narrative that's right. really affecting every, everything from the stock market yeah. to uh, to the way a generation is thinking about politics and even our current president. And there really is a. Um, like a like a principality at work behind the written word right now, and the kind of written word that is directing the narrative of a generation and yeah. just the scene and the climate, and um, and so for a long time it was like kind of the aim of the church was to kind of get into Hollywood, but one thing we haven't really heard a lot about is the kingdom of God beginning to penetrate uh, the the secular associated press, and I was just thinking of it's something I really haven't thought about before. I, I tend to think of the press in the way that the church has historically thought about Hollywood. You know, there, there has been kind of a, a Hollywood yuck. Yeah. And now it's not like that anymore. The church right. is really, really and doing a wonderful yeah. job. And, yeah. and, and now we have salt there, which is incredible, right? And we're seeing the fruit of that. But it is kind of interesting, this, this whole idea of, of the press and the amount of influence and power uh, uh, over the written word. So 
And uh, so I wanted to ask you about that, if, if you're seeing anything when it, when it comes to um, that particular side of a media mountain, just being a general on, on, the, on a media mountain. And, uh, and if, if the Lord's spoken to you anything about what he wants to do in seeing the kingdom begin to infil- infiltrate that cultural narrative. He, uh, he, he just spoke to me now through you. It was just like, isn't, isn't that powerful? Like, that's such a powerful insight, and it's true. Like, we haven't thought too much on that level. But as you were speaking, what I was getting, let's just decree the emergence of kingdom journalists. Wow. Amen. Yeah, yeah, we call them yeah. forth in Jesus' yeah, name. Right. We call Thank them you. forth in Jesus' name, and we bring the shift to that even right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for the emergence of journalism, anointed by the Spirit of God, inspired by the voice of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah, But you know what's interesting is that never before in the history of mankind has there been so many books written by the inspiration of the Spirit through Christians. It's like, I remember when I was a young Christian, you'd go into a bookstore, and it wasn't a very big bookstore, the Christian <laughs> right. bookstore, you <laughs> right. know, it was like there wasn't that many books, and every Christian read all the Christian books. I mean, there was that few books written, and now it's like millions of books get written every year. I think Jane Campbell from Chosen was telling me the other day that there's a million books written a year wow. now in the last couple of years. Wow. That's Come on, Christian books. Yeah. Never yeah. before. And then with the internet, we can get them out. You know, you can get your message. So write, write, write. You know, even if you send it, you know, just like in PDF format over social media, do it because it's getting the word out. Yeah, and you have actually written 84 yeah. books yeah. and manuals. Since my 50s. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. That's my little pitch for the seniors here, okay? I never even thought of writing a book until I was in my 50s, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. This was when I was 50 years, almost 51, and he said, I want you to write a book on, on the third heaven. And I said, but I'm not an author. And he said, but I am. Wow. He said, I authored the scriptures. And I will give you an author's anointing if you want to receive it. And we were in this little trailer, you know, in an adult um, uh, resort community. Um, a little trailer there for 55s and older. We got in, I don't know how we got there because we weren't even 55 yet. But um, we were there having a vacation time, a, a, a prayer time. And it was in that little, little trailer. I said yes to God. And I sat at the table. And I received it by faith. I didn't feel a thing, nothing. I didn't feel anything. I just believed that I received. And then I started typing on my computer. And within, I think it was two weeks, I wrote my first book. That's incredible. Yeah, and then since then, it, it, it just keep, kept coming and coming. So there's 84 books. I'm 68 now, now. So this is in about you know 17 years. I've written 84 books. But that includes books that I've co-authored as well and manuals, because I write curriculum, and that in, in includes that. So, yeah, 84. That's incredible. How many of you guys have, have uh, written a book, finished it, and actually got it out? Just hold up your high real, real, hold up your high real hand. <laughs> okay. 
now uh, and we celebrate you because yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah. That, that takes a lot of discipline yeah. and a lot of... How many of you, you have a book in you, but, it, but you haven't been able to get it finished or you haven't been able to even... Wow, okay. look at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember like when I, when I wrote my first book, um, the thought that I had is, this is horrible, nobody's going to like it. And I, had to, I was always fighting that, in, that internal voice. Like my own word choice was a little more harsh than that. But um, like I was battling this head voice that was like, this is, this is dumb. Just stop, you know, and um, and I felt that all the way to the to the time that I, that I, sometimes I still wonder if, if you know, but I liked it, you know. I, I it, it made me laugh. It connected with me. And when when it comes when it comes to you and your in your writing process, how do you know when something like when you get an idea for something, are you sharing that with like are you submitting that to people or like are you at the point now or when you get an idea for something you just know it's it's the right thing and. I've always just gone with the inspiration of the spirit. Yeah. And so usually, you know, I mean, you'll all experience this as when you're in your devotion time or your prayer time, God is teaching you. The spirit teaches you. And so when you're reading your Bible, he highlights certain things and then you're compelled to study it and, you know, and it starts working in you and then all of a sudden there's confirmations all around you and he's, he's working that word inside of you. And then you find the trials that puts it through the fire, right? <laughs> and so in that season there's inspiration wow and i'll just feel the nudging of the spirit to uh write it i'll just feel the nudge put this in writing now and um and i just do it and as long as i know i'm pleasing god i'm not really too concerned of whether people like it or not um yeah but you know if you are doing your best for god that's right you know that's that's the main thing so Every, everything I've written has come from the inspiration of the Spirit. That's awesome. And that comes from your delight in the presence, right? Like yeah, as he's yeah, showing yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. And that's why, you know, it's like a baby, isn't it? Like when you write a book, it's like a baby because you and God partnered together to give birth to something that never was before. So it's special to you whether anyone likes it or not. Like I remember when Ron and I had our firstborn, I thought he was the most beautiful baby on the face of the earth. And I looked at him in the nursery. I thought, man, he's the best one in the whole nursery. <laughs> and then it was months later, uh, we had some friends that had a baby at the same time as us. So we were over at their house for dinner one night. And we brought our babies, you know, like, and she said, oh, man, he's starting to finally look um, uh, cute. Normal. It says, I was, <laughs> I was a bit concerned about him for a while. And I thought, concerned about him? What for? You know, and she said, well, you know, you know, because, you know, he looked a little bit different. I thought, no, I, I do not know. <laughs> we thought he was an Ewok, you know. We thought he was the most beautiful baby on the face of the earth. <laughs> and to us, he always will be. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Hey, I'll, I will, uh, so Patricia, like with the organization that you oversee and everything, you have women on the front lines, you have men on the front lines um, with Robert Hodgkin, all the cool stuff that he's, that he's doing there. Um, and I wanted to just dive into um, uh, this, this conversation that's getting very, very loud right now within the culture. And it's the conversation of gender and just the war for gender identity and, um, and, uh, and the role that the kingdom of God has to play in, in being a part of the conversation of like of gender equality, uh, gender function, um, of course honor, 
Um, but even then, like gender roles, right? And so there's such a loud, uh, there's such a loud uh, conversation that it seems kind of one-sided. And I think the church is being put in a rough place right now because we want to be honoring of, 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 of people. And we want to love, love people. But there's also a lot of confusion in the church regarding how do we do gender equality um, and then how do we do the conversation of, like, of gender roles? And, and I know this is a real big question, right? But where I'm going with this is that um, with even the, the term like women on the front line, mm-hmm. when I think about that, I know you and I know your heart. And you're calling women to the front line in society. You're calling women to the front lines mm-hmm. within the church. But there's also this place, right, where, where there's almost been this idea of like calling women to the front lines in battle. Right. And we do, see, we do see that historically, like with Joan of Arc and, and G.I. Jane. Um, but there's also... Uh, and Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman. And I guess my question, Patricia, is like... Do you Deborah. F- Deborah, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> you just keep going. going. I'm just wondering, like, like w- women on the front line of battle, is, 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 w- was that God's or- original intent, do you feel, or do you feel like women had to, had to step up to a role of battle because, man, because men abandon the front lines? Um, this is a, I don't have, I'm, there's not a judgment here within me, but what I'm wondering is, is like, when it comes to where, where you're at regarding, um, like gender roles and, and the, and the importance of the kingdom of God beginning to have conversations as far as redeeming and restoring versus just kind of falling behind whatever the culture is going to say is going to be the, the main thing. Would you just kind of speak into that as far as where you're at, what, what you feel like the Lord really wants to restore, uh, well, first through of all, us. Yeah. You know? First of all, I think as a foundation, we have to go back to the word right back to Genesis 1, it says, male and female created he them. He created man, but man equals male and female. They're unique. They're different. Otherwise, he would have just said, he created man a blob or something, you know, but he said, no, male and female. So there has to be a difference, yeah, right? Yeah. And, um, and both male and female are created by God with God's DNA. Mm-hmm. That's what's the same. But what's different is that we express different aspects of him. So women are to manifest the feminine nature of God. Wow. We are. And we're not to be, you know, a big army of bullies or whatever. Or, and we're not to want to be men. We're to celebrate men. We were made women. And... You can tell if you're a woman by, you know, certain physical organs that men do not have. And you can tell you're a man by having physical organs that women do not have. I mean, it's very clear, right? right? It's very, very clear. It shouldn't be confusing. You're a man because this is your... We can get a whiteboard. Physiology, right? (laughs) (laughs) And you're a woman because of that. So going back to the very beginning, we see the definition. But in Christ, there's no male or female regarding like our equality right. or one better than another. Right. It, it's, yeah. it's got nothing to do with that. It's about being. And I feel that I do not feel that men usurp their 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 position in the past. I do not feel that. Okay. I just feel that women hadn't come into theirs yet. Okay. And um and I think that when, when the fall came, women were paying a consequence because of that fall. Yeah. We, and we became victims. 
of the enemy and his plan. And he oppressed women, and that's true. You can look at it anywhere. You don't see women and men equal and moving together and and respecting and honoring each other. Throughout the ages, you've seen women isolated, women oppressed, women abused. Right. I mean, that's very clear throughout history. So that's not God's will. His will is for men and women to rise up together. And the best model for this in the scripture mm -hmm. is Deborah and Barak, the wow. very best model. Um, because I love that story. Because Deborah was appointed by God yeah. to be both prophet and judge of the nation yeah. that was before kings and so the nation was ruled by god through the word of the lord that came through the prophet and only the prophet received the word of the lord for the nation not anyone else in those days so she held that office appointed by god and she was the judge of the nation which enforced god's will and purpose so god appointed her it wasn't a mistake god chose her but he also chose lapidoth who was Deborah's husband. Now, Lapidoth means burning torch. So Lapidoth wasn't a weak person or... Interesting. You know, he was, he was a burning torch for Deborah. We never hear about Lapidoth again, but we know through his name, part of his nature, he was a light bearer. He was an amazing man and had his place and probably kept Deborah covered and blessed and free wow. and you know, empowered, like my husband does with me. Wow. Um, and, you know, my husband truly is like a Lapidoth, truly. And then we also see that there's Barak came on the scene. So Barak, his name means lightnings. And he is wow. listed in Hebrews 11 as one of the heroes of faith. Wow. And he's, I've heard some of the worst sermons about Barak. I, I think, where did you get that out of the Bible? They, you know, they'll say he was just a weak man and he wanted, needed to have a woman in battle. And so he was punished and didn't get the honor for the battle. Wow. That is a whole bunch of malarkey. You know, that's not what the scripture says. But Deborah prophesied over Barak concerning a victory the nation was going to have. He was the captain of the armies of God in that nation. And so he was the general. He was the head of it all. So she delivered that word to him. And he said, his response was, if you go into battle with me, I will go. But if you do not go, I will not go. And that showed his strength. Wow. Number one, wow. he wasn't intimidated at all by a woman. He honored the woman. Wow. But he honored her office because... In those days, only the prophet had the word of the Lord. So what he was actually saying is, I'm not going into the battle without the word of the Lord. Wow. I'm not going into this battle without the word. So then she mutually submits to him. He says, I'm not going without you. And she said, I'm going to submit to you then, and I will go. Wow. So they go to battle together, and he, we have this strong military leader, and you don't become the leader of the army of Israel by being a wet noodle. By being weak. You know, yeah. yeah. By being a wimp. You yeah. don't, you, you know, he was a seasoned military general. So she goes out with him, and finally the moment comes, and, 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 and she had already prophesied. She said, the battle will not be given to you but to a woman. Now, that wasn't to demean him. That was to prophesy how it was going to end. Wow, right. And right. he needed to know that. Yeah. He, he was a captain. He needed to make sure that God's will was going to be performed according 
to what the prophet had said. So they go out into battle. The day comes when she says, okay, now's the time, go. He responds directly and immediately to the word of the Lord because he was such a mighty man of God. And he goes out and literally God was with them in that battle. Sisera's army flees, Sisera flees, and he goes into Jabin's camp. And there we have this woman, Jael, who also had an anointing, and um, she um, killed him, okay? But you'll notice what Barak did. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed him. When, when, when Sisera fled, Barak could have thought, okay, that's it. We've won this battle. Everyone fled. They're all gone. But you see, he knew he wasn't finished. He wasn't finished until he found the woman who would kill him. So he followed through, all the way through, wow. until he discovered that Cicero was dead and found Jael. Then Deborah and Barak together sang the, the song of the Lord together. It was a song about the unity of the two. And it is the most beautiful picture. That's incredible. Uh, the most beautiful picture of how men and women together serve the purposes of God together in unity and each in their calling. That's amazing. And I love it. I've never heard judges taught that way. It's like, like by looking at like gender function and honor and equality. That's incredible. And so if we know each <laughs> other by the spirit, and that's why, come on, I, like, like if I can just speak to the women, just as a mom, you know, I'd just like to say this, is that follow the Holy Spirit because you are going to come forth as the spirit unfolds you, Right? And so if he's called you to be a prophet, let's say, you don't have to bang doors down. You, you have to say yes to that calling and move into whatever is before you and let him open it up and, and manifest his gentleness, manifest his grace, manifest his beauty, manifest his loveliness. Because all those things are strong. They're not weak. They're strong. You know, and... And God wants his strength to be seen through our femininity, not through, you know, trying to be the, the big bullies, you know. It's like, come on, let's, wow. let's truly be women. And men, be men, you know. And I'm so sorry. I just feel like I need to say this because I've seen, I've seen men try so hard to empower women and not be honored in return. And I'm so sorry for any way that you have felt demeaned mm -hmm. or challenged in a wrong way. And I'm, I am, I, I'm just sorry. So please forgive women for, for any time that in our insecurity or in our ignorance that we have treated you wrong and not handled situations rightly. But um, I'm excited about what is going to emerge because I feel we are going to have good models. Like I have to say, I've been a, in, a, you know, a woman in ministry since 1980, mm. uh, assigned by God in 1980 to be in official body ministry. And I've never had a problem being a woman. Wow. I've always been treated with love and respect. Wow. Um, uh, mainly because I'm an itinerant ministry, so obviously men aren't going to invite me if they're against women in ministry. So... Um, <laughs> You know, so, but, but honestly, the men that I labor with, they're champions, and they are amazing. And when we're working together, we don't even think about 
who's the man and who's the woman. It, 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 like, it doesn't even cross your mind. You're in the spirit together. You are in Christ together. And it's a beautiful, beautiful camaraderie. And God's raising up really beautiful, strong women and awesome, mighty men. And we are together learning to honor and appreciate one another and modeling who God is. I love that. Yeah, I love that whole thing. That was beautiful. Yeah. Um, and just speaking to the, to the men, um, to the dudes, I think there's like a, a wonderful opportunity here with what Patricia just released to see that our wife is a key part of the battle and that our wife carries an office and, and a function that, that we need. And, and so to really see um, the opportunity to begin to partner with our, com our companion, to begin to partner with our, our spouse and to be able to really see our spouse through the lens of, uh, of the Lord um, so that it's a culture of empowerment and not, and not this place of where we think that it's our role as men to define who our wife is like, uh, or to control what our wife is capable of and to really see that it's not our role to control our wives. <laughs> you know, the only person that you have biblical responsibility to control is yourself. Amen. And so like, yeah, let's go to the front lines with our wives this year knowing that our wives are going to be an important part of our breakthrough and our victory. And also in the same way to, to, the, to any women here that have suffered a level of injustice or, um, or perhaps a level of muting um, because of, of men in ministry, I, I want to just repent to you as well, um, uh, uh, just as a, just as being a man in, in ministry. I just want to really repent to you of any sort of way that you were not understood or any accusations that came um, at you, just basically, maybe it was just because of the gender conversation, and we just ask that you would forgive us, us guys. Uh, uh, oftentimes, we know not what we do, despite what we think, and so just asking that there would be just uh, uh, the ability and the grace to forgive, so that there'd be nothing holding you back this year, that you'd really be able to come into everything that the Lord has for you. And that no unforgiveness or resentment towards men in ministry would be able to keep you from where God wants to take you this next year. So for all the ladies, you are absolutely loved and celebrated and needed. You are needed in the kingdom. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, please. Yeah. I just want to help um, you women who have suffered, uh, you know, a lot of, even abuse. Some of you I know have suffered spiritual sure. abuse and that, and I hear stories and it just, you know, it breaks God's heart that you had to suffer through that. But one of the things I would like to encourage you in is that we are in a love war. Wow. And love is our greatest weapon and love will always win. And if you, if you, embrace a position of being a victim your heart will get bitter and angry and you will end up in the wrong place and it will never give you the victory that you're looking for never even though it might feel like it's justice at the moment it just is not going to work it does not work um, but love does love does and I might not have experienced what you've experienced in the area of abuse, but I've experienced the love war, okay? And, and I've watched love win. When you determine no matter what, you're going to ask God what love looks like. What does love look like? How can I love those who are treating me bad? How can I love them? 
And when he gives you the keys, it empowers you. Because when you are in the position of love, you feel really strong. And then when you execute love, it, it, it demolishes demonic stronghold. Wow. And it's so amazing. And, it, and love, the ministry of love, is the highest level of ministry you can have. So some of you are trying to find who you are. You're trying to be identified like, who am I as a minister? Well, number one, you're a minister of God's love. That is the highest so calling yeah, so ever. Is, and we are, we are supposed to be known for our love. That's what Jesus said, that they'll know that you are mine by your love that you have for one another. So as you work to perfect the love, you'll get stronger and stronger and stronger. I remember one time up in Canada, um, we had planted a church, and the head of the ministerial said, um, we just want you to know that we do not even believe that you're Christians. I'd like to see your doctrinal statement. So I showed it to him. He said, well, I guess you are a Christian, but we just want you to know we still don't want you at the ministerial meetings. And in that city, it was ministerial meetings every single week. And um, I said, well, thank you for sharing with me um, that no one wants me there, but I actually feel like the Spirit would want me to come. Now, are you saying I can't come? He says, no, we can't tell you you can't come, but we don't want you. <laughs> and I said, I understand that. But I decided to go because the Lord told me to go. But when I tried to say something or pray, they would, they would speak over top and shut me down. So I thought, okay, Lord, what does love look like? And you know what he told me? He said, love looks like donuts. <laughs> so the next week, the next week I went and bought donuts. And I came in there. And I didn't pray a prayer. I didn't say a thing. I just poured their coffee and served them donuts. <laughs> and they liked it. And, and I was sitting there just praying silently. And I thought, I can affect my community. And I can, you know, love these men whether they're at not honor them. So uh, week by week. And I tested the waters. Every once in a while, I would test the waters to see if I could say something. But they'd still jump on it. Okay. So at the end of the year, I'd been serving them coffee and donuts and... and uh, you know, trying to build relationship with them, and they were still on guard with me. So we we're breaking for Christmas, and I said, you know, my husband and I would love to bless you all. Why don't you come to our home, and we'll make you a nice breakfast, and we can have the meeting around that. And so they were happy, because that's the way you, you reach a man's heart, is through his stomach. <laughs> and so... My husband and I made this most amazing breakfast. We're not a, we made, we're not a complicated species. You <laughs> we know? made homemade cinnamon <laughs> buns, and we made you know bacon and eggs and sausage and all the trimmings and everything. And they just loved it. And the Lord said, this is what love looks like. Bless those who are, who are not blessing you, right? And so we, we gave an envelope to each minister in the city of a personal financial blessing for them, a very generous uh, blessing, wow. Wow. and we gave their church a blessing as well, and, and it melted their heart, and we had such a shift in the spirit that day that they changed, and then I got my calendar out. I said, you know what? I would love to have you come and preach in our church. Now, they thought that we were the church from the devil, but they all signed up to preach at the church, <laughs> and so we spoke to our congregation. We had a congregation of about 200 at that time. And we said, you know, these ministers are going to come in on Sunday nights and preach. And a lot of them don't believe how we believe. And, and they might even try to preach against us from, the, from our own pulpit. And we will unpack that with you after, if need be. But all that we're required to do is love them. 
being conniving actually by using the the word to downplay what we believe and here is our congregation just looking up loving on them giving them gifts and praying for them after and they were going down under the power some of them had never gone down under the power before and it was just a love war it's amazing if that was here our people would have been hitting with nerf guns <laughs> as we would have been like no pop pop i mean that's incredible that's so that's all awesome. we won we won the battle and that's so amazing yeah and then promotion always comes from winning love wars always wow every wow. love war i've ever engaged in i always get promoted after wow so love well wow that's incredible that's incredible. some people are like do i really want to be promoted ah you know yes you yes, do yes, yes you yes. do man you're gonna get hit whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to get hit with the same battles. Yeah. I mean, even people in the world have people who don't like them and don't treat them well. I mean, you know. Yeah. Everyone gets the same battles. The thing is, how are you going to handle it when it comes? Everyone, everyone can tell their stories. You know, everyone has their story. And, but it's, how do you finish with it? How do you walk through it? And if we walk through with love, we win every time. So we don't get to blame people. We don't get to play the victim card. We have to kind of walk this thing out like Jesus did. You know, going to the cross, interceding for the very people that were crucifying him. And Patricia, you've really modeled that. And it's so uh, inspiring. Thank you so much just for for hanging in there and just continuing to love. And, um, and we just, we all just appreciate you for you being here with us, for you sharing with us, um, this morning. Would you just, would you just, um, release like, uh, some declaration, like just us representing the Northwest region, us representing the Seattle region. Seattle is such a strategic, influential, um, breakthrough, pioneering region. And, and we just know there's so much potential in the spirit. We just want to see it land. Would you just release some declarations for our region and for this year? Amen. Do you have a TV program? No. Because I think he should, don't you? Isn't he the greatest interviewer (laughs) or radio or something? Yeah. You know, at least do something on the internet every day. Every day? (laughs) (laughs) He's so good. I just just love him. Thanks. That means a lot, Patricia. Coming from you, that means a lot. amazing. Thank you, Father. Let's go to prayer right now. Father, we just love you so much. And you hold the universe in the palm of your hand, Lord God. And and all eternity belongs to you. It all belongs to you. And as you're observing um, us in the earth, you're looking for yourself. You're looking for your nature. You're looking for your authority, your word to come forth. And what I see right now over, whoa, (laughs) over the Northwest is an acceleration of the prophetic married to the apostolic. Yes. And I, I see that many prophets are actually going to find themselves becoming apostolic. Wow. And many apostles are going to find themselves becoming very prophetic. Wow. There's like a, a, a marriage and then together bringing forth the purposes of God. 
I do see the power of decree in this region. I believe that you are even launching something right here when you call these every year, you know, the proclamations, the, the declarations um, that, that you are focused on releasing. I believe the Lord's saying that he's actually going to give you more insight into the power of decrees over this next yeah. year. Yeah. And you're going to execute decrees in greater ways than you ever have before. Mm. And it's going to affect uh, really big realms. And I feel that in this region, God is saying, I'm giving you um, innovation. I'm giving you new things. I'm giving you convergence of thought. I'm giving you uh, new paths, new, new trails to blaze. And he said, as you proclaim the word, as you proclaim my word, as you see my intention, as you see my will and speak, that you will see these trails blaze, that you will see these new things come forth. Yes. And it is new. I definitely see many, many things that are brand new that have never been done before. Wow. wow. Decree a thing. Yes. And it will be established and light will shine on all your ways. Yes, yes, yes. Whoa. Yes, yes, yes. Whoa. Yes. Yes, and I feel yes, like the Lord's yes. saying, do not be moved by what you see in the natural and yeah. be not moved by the world and its system for the kingdom within you is superior mm. and never feel that it is inferior for it is as you believe it will be. I'm, I'm getting wow. right now 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that in every respect you prosper and yeah. be in health as your, your soul. soul prospers. It's a law of attraction. Wow. That as your soul is aligned with God and the greatness of his kingdom and the greatness of his power, the greatness of his abilities, when your soul is immersed in the truth, then you will attract his will and his purposes. And so, Lord, I see alignment coming to the people of God in this yeah, region. Yeah, I yeah. see a new boldness coming, yeah. but it's bold love. Yes, I see the words actually in bold print before me, bold love. Wow. So it's uncompromised truth spoken with bold love. And I see voices coming forth from the Pacific Northwest. Wow, come on. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. The Lord shows me that there's been voices that have been silenced. The voices tried to speak, but they were silenced. Wow. But in this next season, they will not be stopped. That's right, that's right, that's right. That's Thank right, you, that's Lord. Right. Amen. And Lord, we just bless uh, Seattle Revival Center and the churches in yeah. this whole yeah. region, yeah. all the churches in Washington and the regions beyond. We call them forth to arise and shine because their light has come. And in the midst of the darkness that is covering the earth and the darkness that is upon the people, that the glory will appear upon them and kings and nations will come to the brightness of their rising. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your outpouring of your Amen. spirit in this region. Wow. In Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah, Amen. Yeah. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's give a big thank you to Patricia. Thank you, thank you so much. Can awesome. show these books? Yeah, please do. Thank you. 
I just want to give a couple of gifts away just before we close. This is God's law of attraction, what I just prayed about the positioning of your soul. And when you come into agreement with God and his word, you literally, literally attract the manifestation of it to you. That's you awesome. can change your whole life by knowing this law that God created. Do you want that? $15, <laughs> You can man. have that. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and this is uh, grow in divine favor. God has given you favor. It is a free gift, but this is a year of unprecedented favor. Yes. Uncommon favor that is going to open doors to nations. Come on, you can have this. There you go. Yeah. And then, again, just for those of you that wanted the free um, uh, session on the three keys that will help enhance your um, spiritual vision, uh, just text PATRICIA to 22828. That's so good. Buy all the books. Buy them all because they're all, they're all amazing. Real quick before we leave, Pastor Keith, the Lord give you something or something you want to, you want to kind of contribute? Yeah, absolutely. I just really feel... Um this keeps coming around in my heart, my spirit. I feel so strong about this. Um, and, and I really feel like this house is connected to, to this. We, we touched on earlier about the importance of just uh, what God is doing in the media. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really feel like that we're supposed to sow uh, this morning into uh, a new press. Because there's so much emphasis on fake news, but there needs to be an emphasis on that's right. yeah, good that's news. Right. Yeah. And, and I really feel like there's something happening here related to you, Darren, related to this house, related to the Northwest, that is going to be a catalyst for a new press. Wow. wow. And, and, and it, it might be a news channel that a Christian news channel or something or, but I really sense, and it may start off like you said, you were sharing last night, small, but I, I think I this small wow. beginning, I think is happening. There's something happening here wow. right now. Wow. And I don't care if it's just $1, mm. but there's something about a new press that God is an, a new news, a, a good news, a news channel, uh, something that, that is really going to impact our nation. And so, is, so is that okay awesome. if we... Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. do that, family. Come on, let's, let's, just, let's just sow into just... It. And I believe, Darren I, I, Darren, I believe that you're connected in some way to this. How many believe that there's an anointing on this house and on Darren and to be a catalyst for a new news, a good news station? And so, let's, let's just sow into that right now. Come on, thank you. Lord, we just... Open up our hearts. Yeah, just oh, as, yeah. as it's in your heart to give, Lord, we just open up our hearts. Uh, and we just sow, Daddy. We just sow. There's, there's a shift. There's a change that's happening right now. We just release that. Yeah, thank you, Daddy. <laughs> media, we're just there's, just, there's just something that we're just this invasion of the media mountain right now. And so just, just see that. We're just invading the media mountain we're just, we're just staking claim to the media mountain in the name of Jesus. Uh, yeah, and, and so Father, thank you for a new network. Thank you for new, new stations. Thank you, Father. Yeah, Lord, we bless you. <laughs> Stretch out your hands towards Darren. Yeah. Patricia, Charlie, come on. 
Should shut your hands towards him. <laughs> yeah. He's already got it on him. Yeah. He so has media all over him, doesn't he? And like you're God's interviewer too. And because you can pull out things by the Spirit and by the leading of the Spirit. And Lord, we just thank you that, that as he stands in your presence right now, Lord God, we bless him with media anointing, Lord God, to be able to herald your, your word, your news, and your heart. I just see you releasing the heart of God. And even to, to unsaved audiences, you know, I just see them, see them connecting and see them loving, you know, the word that is coming forth. And so, Lord, we, we just pray for strategies. We just pray for your word to come, come forth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Do you have, do you have something, Charlie? Yeah, I just want to decree and declare over the supernaturalist. Lord, this podcast, Lord, this, uh, I, 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 just, I just feel in the spirit, I know a lot of people don't know who Joe Rogan is, but me, me and Darren have talked about him. I, Lord, I ask you for the same favor and anointing that is upon that podcast to come upon Darren, Lord, for the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit to penetrate into these different places of the media, Lord. I thank you for favor. I thank you for supernatural abundance coming forth. Lord, for a studio. Oh! Oh! Lord, release a studio. And that sound that you told me that is going to come out of Seattle, Lord, that supernatural sound, that rhythm that you want to create in this place, Lord, I thank you for that. From this spot, from this place, we decree and we declare supernaturalists going forth in the name of Jesus, a studio fully furnished in the name of Jesus Christ. Ah, yeah, Lord. Yeah, and I see with Elijah how there was 12 stones that had fallen, the altar had fallen down, and God has called you, Darren, to assemble the stones again. There's, there's 12 ministries that God's going to use to connect you to, and these 12 ministries are going to be once again unified and organized, and there's going to be a platform that's going to be rebuilt. There's going to be a rebuilding of a platform, a rebuilding of a voice, a rebuilding of a prophetic network, a rebuilding of what God is doing and saying in this region, and we establish it here tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you. We bless you. We love you. And we honor you. Come on, family. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's the darrenshow.com. That's the darrenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame or you can give it five stars. And that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's the darrenshow.com. 
Thanks, guys.